0: When you feel like your life is crumbling around you, you could actually be on the verge of your next big thing. If you'd rather get into a car accident than
1: go to work because you hate your job, you actually could be on the verge of finding your dream career. If you've had it with picking up the tab for your yet again unemployed boyfriend, you're actually on the verge of finding a fantastic relationship. Certified hypnotherapist and master life coach Laura Richer Wants to show you how to use your breakdown for a breakthrough
0: in creating a life you love. You're listening to Laura's hit new show, On The Verge Radio. Welcome to On The Verge Radio. We're broadcasting here on Transformation Talk Radio. As always, I am thrilled to introduce our host, Laura Richer.
2: Good morning, everyone. Hi, Andy.
0: Hello, and I am your co-host, Andy Lucas. And today we are continuing our series on dating and the struggles that many women face when out there on the dating scene. And we're, men also face issues and struggles on the dating scene, yes. but you kind of specialize in helping women. so
2: Yes, I work with both men and women, but more women. So yes. that's what we're talking about today. Yeah.
0: And um, this is an anonymous quote that I found, and it's been rephrased a million mm-hmm. ways, but whatever you are willing to put up with is exactly what you will have.
2: Absolutely. And yeah. so we definitely can see that in dating.
0: Yeah. Um, we really do teach ourselves how to treat how to how people should treat us. Yes.
2: Yeah, and and part of how we see ourselves and how we require other people to treat us has a lot to do with what our own personal boundaries are. Yeah. So recently, um I have been taking an awesome class called Transform Your Boundaries. And today we are so thrilled to welcome back our the ultimate boundaries badass, yes. Sari Gilman. Hi, Sari.
1: <laughs> Hi. Oh, what a wonderful introduction. You're a badass too. Oh, thank oh, I'm you. Just bad about you
0: Laura. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Sari. It's so good to have you back. We had you back in our November episode about um, just personal boundaries, especially with family issues, and it was right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we thought it would be so helpful to have you come back and talk about boundaries with dating issues.
2: And Sari is a psychotherapist. She's a speaker and an author that's located on Woodby Island. Um, and she is the creator of the Transform Your Boundaries program. So let's just get right into yes. it since boundaries are so important in dating, Sari. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the archetypes that you have identified um, in in how people have trouble with their boundaries and where how that shows up in dating.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you know, the the archetypes that, that we all kind of experience as our workaholism, our sacrificer, being lovers who just love so much on other people, but we don't end up feeling so loved ourselves. And maybe you're somebody who has been an isolator, and now you're kind of breaking into the dating scene, or a caretaker. And it's kind of time for you to start taking care of yourself. And you're looking for that relationship with somebody that would be more nurturing and giving. But what, whatever reason you're tuning in today, we are going to talk about um, some of the different patterns that that people experience when they are dating and start recognizing in other people and wonder, why do I keep picking the same kind of person? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds familiar? Why do I keep picking this person and how do I Stop. How do I stop picking this person or how do I recognize them a little sooner? So, yeah. so learning about these patterns that, that, Laura, that you were just mentioning is really a way for us to pay attention when we're dating people and start to notice who we're really dating. Yes. Yeah. So
2: and let's just get started. I, in my practice right now, deal a lot of with people who have workaholic issues uh-huh. So, Sari, what do you think in dating? How does the workaholic show up? Well, does the workaholic show up?
0: Or do they, up? yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great point. <Yes. laughs> because when you're a workaholic, it's really hard to make time for dating, yeah, right? Yeah. You feel like you, just, you only have like a little hour here or an hour there, and you're kind of doling out your time and breadcrumbs to other people. Mm, yes. And when you're dating, other people get that message that you're not really available.
0: Why and they, they get,
1: sorry, go ahead. They get the message that you know your time is really, really precious, but they're not necessarily at the top of the list. So the person who's dating you is, you know, tends to be squeezing time in around what you have available. And if you're, if you have available, and you might find yourself to also be one of those chronic cancelers where you're always saying to people, you know, oh, I can't make it today, but let's reschedule for tomorrow. And, you know, after a while, you kind of lose that fish on your fishing line because (laughs) they start feeling like, you know, that's okay. Never mind. Why are we, why are
0: people, uh, I guess, choosing work over that? Is it, what is that based on?
1: Well, you know, that work may be the place where where you're really feeling successful and where it's really important for you to earn money and where you get these immediate feedback that you're really needed and, and you're trying to achieve something. You've got goals around this. But, but, but when you're dating, the landscape is really different. It's not, it's not the kind of rewards that you get from work. It's not the kind of feedback that you get from work. But it's about building a relationship with somebody. And that really takes time. And that's yeah. one of the things that workaholics really struggle with is actually taking the time to really step away from work and really get to know other people mm-hmm. and practice getting to know other people deeply and letting them get to know you, oh. getting to know you away from your work, right? Yeah. Who are you?
2: Yeah. And
1: you not know, really scary, right? If you're a workaholic, like what else is going on in my life other than my work? Yeah, right. It's sort of like that question.
0: Well, um, what? Who are you? You know, you say your name. Oh, what do you do? Like, I do a lot of things, but yeah. well, here's what I do for a living. Instead of that's just not my whole life, right? But I, I think I used to be that person quite a bit.
2: Tell me about that. How were you? The how did you show up as the workaholic in in your relationships or oh, in dating?
0: Oh, um, I would say that my I I worked at a large online retailer based here in Seattle for about <laughs> eight years. And um, it was all consuming. And so it was number, it was the top priority because that's what comes from management there. So Mm. um, it was really, I had to take, that had to be the priority. And so I think that that had a a really negative effect on my relationships with friends who didn't work there. And then um, with the person I was dating and living with, it was very difficult because I would just stop everything in the middle or. Then, when I finally could relax, I was so exhausted I would fall asleep. So, yeah, not really fun.
1: Oh, that's a fun day. Yeah. To go I'm actually too tired to go have any fun. Yeah. yeah. Can we just keep it simple and just go up the street and back. Yeah. yeah. And then people are like, oh gosh, it's kind of boring to date you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> after a while, it's like, where's the F U N, the fun? Yeah. The creativity, the let's go play, the investment. So, I guess when I heard you say that, the question that came up for me that I want your listeners to really ask themselves is Are you dating your job?
0: That is good. That is a really good question. I absolutely was dating my job, and it was not, it was a toxic relationship, let me tell you.
1: Right? Everything goes into it. You're really dating your job. Yeah, and you know yeah. what? When you start going out and meeting other people, they notice that, that you're dating your job. Mm-hmm. They don't maybe say it that way, but they notice it. Yeah. And that's something for all of us to really take away from that and really pay attention to is that being with people is not the same as your job. And you really want to bring that energy, that curiosity, and that you know willingness <clears> to do something fun with other people to dating And, Sari,
2: what do you think about um, the other side of that? Somebody who's dating a workaholic and they're kind of hanging out waiting for that to change or uh, (laughs) what what kind of advice would you give
1: them? Well... You know, there are a lot of people dating people that are workaholics, and it's interesting because not everybody is a workaholic. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a workaholic and you're dating somebody where the first thing, the most important thing, or maybe the only thing really going on in their life is their work, you know, you really have to ask yourself, does this person have the time and space? and And if they don't, are you the kind of person that can build your own life? Because there are plenty of people that are very happily married to, like, workaholics. But what makes it work really well in a dating relationship or a long-term relationship is if you are the kind of person that can make your own fun. Like, you don't need this person all the time with you. And you have lots of things that you're engaged in that interest you, and you don't need to always bring them along. Right. Now, if you're that kind of person, you can do pretty well with a workaholic. Okay. But if you're the kind of person that is feeling lonely and wants them to come with you to everything and feels like they're never making enough time, then then that kind of a personality is not really for you. Yeah, right.
2: So you have to know yourself and what works for you. Yes, and be honest with yourself. And be honest.
0: I'm my own
1: works. party favor. Thank yeah. you. That's right, Benny. I don't need very many people. Yeah. <laughs> workaholic would work for you. Right. There you go. Yeah. Right, right, right. So let's Oh, go ahead. That's right. And if you're your own party favor, as long as you're one of those people has 50 million hobbies and lots of interests and other friends, you're not even going to be noticing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Might even work better for that person who has a lot of other
2: things going on. Yeah. So I want to move on now. I think it's really important that we touch on these two because I think that this shows up when I'm working with women in my practice quite a bit is the lover and the sacrificer. Oh, boy. So let's start with the lover. Sari, what can you tell us about the lover?
1: Okay, so the lover person, if you're a lover, this is exactly how you're feeling on the inside. You're one of those people that feels like you love and love and give and give Mm -hmm. in your relationships, and you never feel like you get anything in return. Mm -hmm. And so you feel like in your relationships, you're the one that's loving on everybody, reaching out setting things up getting things organized but you never feel like anybody's really deeply reaching out mm-hmm. for you or deeply loves you Now this is this may or may not be true I mean other people may actually love you but they don't ever get a chance to kind of initiate or make the first phone call or send you the message or make up the plans because you're always 10 steps ahead of everybody okay kind okay. of right so the lovers always- kind of needy um the lover ends up feeling needy okay doesn't start out that way dating but after a while they start feeling really needy because they feel like you like it like they have an empty hole inside and like they're never getting loved in return and when you hear somebody saying you just don't love me enough and you start thinking in your head well they are just insecure Mm. not insecure they've got like a really big love hole around like they don't feel love to that is pretty big yeah. and you may or may not be able to fill that hole for somebody but if you feel like nobody ever loves you in return to me this is really an important thing to start doing therapy maybe before you get into your next relationship so that you start filling yourself up a little bit more and you start figuring out how to feel loved with you mm. so that when you're with other people, you're not feeling so empty inside. So and what, you're is, not feeling, you're what is the core it. of
2: that? I'm, I'm sure it's different for every client, but what is the core of that for some clients who are the lover archetype? What is that kind of, what's the basis of that pattern? Well,
1: you know, it's that, it's that place where you feel empty inside from maybe some experiences that you've had earlier in life but there's this emptiness inside that you're trying to fill with other people mm. and you're thinking well if I just got loved, if I just got married, if I just had kids, mm. you know that's like an emptiness that you're trying to fill, if only I like was married then I would be happy, it's like really because I meet a lot of people that are married and they're not happy <laughs> <Yes. like. laughs> <laughs> it's not the it's end not all be all. Equation yeah. necessarily. <laughs> okay. so, so you know it's, it's like looking at other people as being your magic wand like okay. they are going to fill you and make you feel better on the inside about you oh. and actually nobody can do that so when you're one of those people that feels like you're always chasing after love you're always looking for love and you're never getting love returned and you're the giver and you give and give and give and you never get anything back you need to learn to start giving to yourself. Yes. So that and, you start growing up a bit more.
2: You know, I have clients that will have those conversations quite a bit and they'll say, Well, how do I love myself? What does that even mean? I think there's a lot of confusion um, about that. What kind of right. advice do you give to someone who says that?
1: Well, first of all, I love that that you notice that because that's it. That's ex- When you hear somebody say, What does it mean? I don't even know what that means to love myself. Mm-hmm that is the definition of the lover that is that is that emptiness is Mm -hmm. i don't know how to love me and that is why dating and relationships are going to be so hard on you you must start with you you must begin learning what just nurturance is what feels good to you how can you nurture yourself how can you fill you how do you give to you Rather than giving to everybody else, because if you keep walking around this world, this empty on the inside, you are going to get a lot of pain. Yes. Yeah. And so we want you to do that work when you feel empty on the inside. We want you to do the work because you can learn to love you. Absolutely. Yes. You can learn to nurture you. You can learn to feel better. And you don't have to suffer like this anymore. And then when you meet somebody, they don't have to make it their job. To try to make you feel loved. Because mm-hmm. they won't know how to do it either. If you don't know how to do it, they're yeah, not gonna do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, didn't you say that at the beginning, Andy, with your quote? We teach people how to love us. Yes, yeah. we do. We absolutely teach so them. If we how don't to treat know, us. we don't even yeah. know
2: what to teach them. Exactly. So how
0: then there's so there's the lover who just loves and loves and loves, but there's also the caretaker. Is that mm. the caretaker and the sacrificer? But the caretaker I think of someone, well, tell us about that. Who is the
1: caretaker? Well, the caretaker is somebody who either may really genuinely have people in their life that they must take care of, and it may even be part of their work, that they are taking care of people. Um, So they could be in their work, it could be in their personal life, but this is somebody that always feels like they are needed by other people. And so they must take care of them. Mm. And caretakers do well to date people that are very nurturing. Uh, Mm -hmm. A a really kind of gentle, nurturing, loving kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, Because caretakers will try to take care of everybody around them. And in a relationship, sometimes they end up, feeling not cared for themselves they end up getting their needs not met because they think it's their job in relationship to just take care of you now you're dating me then I'll take care of you yeah and not every person needs to be taken care of you can wait until there are times in life when all of us are going to get a turn at, at needing to be cared for by somebody else genuinely really needing that but sometimes caretakers end up been taking care of people that are doing things that they should be able to do for themselves. Mm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And even though- What's the picture in your head when I said that? Doing things you can do for yourself. What is I would say
0: just even something simple like um, packing someone's lunch or getting them (laughs) water or grabbing the remote or doing stuff that I think they, um, the person that you're taking care of then kind of comes to expect it because they know you're going to do it but then you feel resentful for doing it
1: exactly yeah. and then you keep and you keep doing stuff like you're doing their laundry you're paying all the bills they don't have a job yes and it's wow. like getting a job they're working on getting a do you job. flashbacks two and a half years i'm right? having
0: some ptsd right now sorry
1: <laughs> okay. Not getting a job yet it's two and a half years and and it's like well how about creating your own job how about dog walking how about just helping out in the yard here at home yeah um, yeah you exactly. find yourself that's right the resentment mm-hmm. is what you start feeling in your relationships and you feel exhausted because yes. you're just doing all the work yeah and I, you know, I've
2: worked with, I find uh, several caretakers, tak- and I have found that while a nurturer would be such a better fit for them, they are attracted to people that need to be taken care of because that's the role that they know how to mm-hmm. show up. And while they resent it later, they still find themselves attracted to
1: the, to, to those people. Yeah. That's because that is the one skill they know how to do. It's like playing the violin. They know how to play the violin, so that is what they play. And teaching them to be in relationship and dating, to go slowly, and to let the person take care of themselves, minimum, and then take care of them even a little. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is you're going out on a date, and you're checking ahead that this person is actually going to pick up the check. Let them pick up the check. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> especially caretaker. Go ahead, let them. And if yeah. you're if you're out on a date, and the very first thing the person tells you is, "Hey, we're going Dutch," rethink if you're a caretaker. Yes, start <laughs> thinking right there because you're already starting out with somebody saying, "I'm definitely not taking care of you." Yes, and and if that's the message, moment one. I want you to rethink. And maybe you say, well, it's a first date. Let's do a second date and see what happens. And on the second date, you know, their car broke down. You're doing all the driving, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, they give you signals. Pay attention to these early signs of somebody saying, I am not going to take care of you. They do it in very small ways, and then they do it in very large ways.
0: Yeah. And that those and first that, couple of dates, that's as good as it's ever going to get. Right, like they're supposedly on their best behavior. <laughs> yeah. So if they're showing you that first day, it's that they're going to stick you know. with the
1: check.
2: Yeah, yeah. That
1: you, you know, know what? I love that you're saying this because nobody believes me when I say that. Oh, oh,
2: we were single for a long time. Each of us about five years, and it is absolutely from experience. I can tell you that this is a yes. fact.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, but they tell what you happens. Everything. Is People get into this idea when they're dating of how it's going to be later. Like, I'm going to fix all this. We mm. could have we could have the best relationship if only yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they think they get more invested in the idea of the relationship than the actual relationship. So I like to say all to the people, time. don't tell me about how it's going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or yeah. how it could be if only they would change. I want to hear how reality is. Like, yeah. how is it real? Because if you're looking at reality from the very first date on the very first sentence at the very first thing, get your ears on and listen to what somebody is saying to you. And that starts to tell you, okay, I'm with somebody that is telling me every single way that they don't want any responsibility, they don't take care of me, they have no interest in taking care of anyone else, then I don't need to continue on because I'm just going to end up taking care of them. Because I'm a caretaker, right. own that about yourself, mm-hmm. know that. And and if you don't know which of these patterns that Laura is describing, the book will help you sort that out. The book Transform Your Boundaries will yes. help with that because you've got to know what pattern you are when you're dating and you've got to be able to recognize it in somebody else. Yes. Yes. And ladies, take the word potential
2: out of your vocabulary when you're dating. Do not ever <laughs> look at anyone's potential. Because it's know. probably part of, you're probably imagining whatever this potential is. Yes. I, you know, and I encounter that a lot, um, you know, yes. and sometimes, sometimes really, really serious drinking. issues, like somebody will have a serious substance abuse problem. They're like, well, if they quit drinking, they'll be a good fit. Well, yeah, but you don't know if they're going to quit drinking. They may right. have no intention of quitting drinking. And you
0: might not like them when they quit drinking. Yeah,
2: that's another
1: possibility. <laughs> and that's one of the patterns, is yeah. the number.
2: Oh, so let's go into
1: that. It's yeah. a number, and one of the things they do is drink. When they're done drinking, let's say, let's say that potential (laughs) happened and this person stops drinking. All right. But if they are a number, they're going to go on to the next numbing behavior. Yes. So then you're dealing with somebody who maybe is a sex addict Mm -hmm. online. And then you're dealing with somebody who has a gambling problem, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, they're going to go from one numbing behavior to the next. A number is a number. And so. Learning how to numb safely or numb without hurting people or numb without hurting your partner is really important. Some people have really safe numbing behaviors, right? Like maybe their thing that they do that they numb out at the end of the day is a little bit of Netflix and then they're done. But they're not not showing up, falling under the table drunk or (laughs) unable to drive or, you know. Sorry about that, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that.
2: Ben,ny you taking notes over there? Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. copious, notes, copious <laughs> notes. I had a friend
0: who was married. Um, her husband was just a raging alcoholic, which she didn't notice. Everyone else did, but you know they got married, and then finally he went to rehab. He comes back, and now he he smokes pot all day every day. Yeah, and it, I said to her, you know, he's just transferred his addiction. Substituting, She's like, but he's so much better.
1: It's so much better than he was when he was drinking. Oh. Okay,
2: yeah. well, have fun
0: with that.
1: <laughs> Right. It's still numbing behavior. And so it's a lot of and people who numb tend to, you know, when we're numbing, all of us need a certain amount of numbing. Mm -hmm. But but when we are like living like that, like all day and all night, when we just live in the numbed out world, we're not really connecting to others. Mm -hmm. And numbers are really hard to have a connection with because you end up feeling like they don't really see you yeah, or even know you. Yeah, because they don't know you. They're too consumed with just not focusing on anything but the thing they're numbing with.
0: I know. It's so sad. So, Mm -hmm. Sari, um, how can our listeners reach you? If they're interested in learning more about you and your Transform
1: Your Boundaries program and the book, how can they reach you? I think the best thing to do is to contact Laura if you're looking for some sessions on this, because my private practice is full.
2: And I am Uh, becoming a certified boundaries badass. Well, it's actually not called that, but. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well trained in this work. So I would recommend if listeners are like looking for a therapist or a counselor to really work with deeply and getting to know this and untangle this for yourselves, please contact Laura. She actually is certified in Transform Your Boundaries and she will know how to with you. Yep. And if you're interested in just kind of digging in on the book and getting to know that um, the book is available everywhere. And you can just pop on and get the book, Transform Your Boundaries. And there's journal questions and you can get started there.
0: Nice. That is fantastic. So we are going to take a quick break. Sari, thank you so much for joining us again. Yes, this thank is you fantastic. So much. I can't wait to have you on when we
1: talk about boundaries about our careers
0: because I'm going <laughs> to we need some help on that. Um, okay,
1: but Okay, well, I hope this was helpful to your listeners. Have a great day. Thank
0: you so much. Thanks, so Sari. For those of you who can identify a lot with some of these uh, sentiments, stay tuned because in our next half hour, Laura is going to be offering expert advice about how you can shed those limiting beliefs and start enjoying the dating scene and really find the love you truly want and deserve. So stay tuned for more On The Verge Radio here on Transformation Talk Radio.
1: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.
2: Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Tune in to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef
0: Rossi. Chef Rossi mouths off about different subjects in pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up your minds. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth, taking from the headlines of the day on subjects that reach beyond what goes on in the world into your hearts and go to theragingskillet.com to find out more and let chef Rossi know what's on your
1: mind stay juicy tune in to your juicy love with me una drake co-hosting monthly with dr pat and every second monday at 12 p.m on transformation talk radio my show your juicy love
2: helps you find the dynamic life-affirming love you've always wanted Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet
1: Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. Have you ever heard of the 90-10 rule? It goes like this. 90% of the time, no one is thinking of you. 90% of the time, everyone's thinking about themselves. And if you think of it like that, it takes the weight off because now you're not being judged. I'm Megan Edge. I'd love for you to join me on Playing on the Edge Radio, Radical Change with Ease with my co-host Dr. Pat on Transformation Radio FM.
2: Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to On The Verge Radio. I'm your host, Laura Richer, and I'm also the owner of Seattle Healing Hypnotherapy, Reiki, and Life Coaching. And I am here with my wonderful co-host, Andy Lucas. Hello. Hey, Andy. Um, And she is the owner of Hummingbird Marketing Services. Yes, a flutter of creative solutions. (laughs) (laughs) And today we have a flutter of creative solutions about dating and how to have good boundaries in dating. Yes. Um, And they are so important. And if you missed the first half of the show, check it out out on on thevergeradio.com where you can listen to boundaries expert Sari Gilman talk about why it is so important to have good, healthy boundaries when you're dating and know what your boundaries are. Yes. And know which one of these archetypes
0: you fit into and identify them in others so you know who not to be dating. Yes. And who to date. Yes. So we want to talk some more about that. But Laura, before um, we get into kind of the advice you have for women who find themselves as these archetypes um, and they're maybe less than badasses. Mm-hmm. and we want to help them become bad a- yes. boundary badasses. Could you remind everyone of how to get in touch with you?
2: So you can just give us a call at Seattle Healing Hypnotherapy if you would like to work together. You can schedule a free uh, consultation at 206-765-8265. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also contact us online at seattlehealinghypnosis.com. And then if you're just focusing in on dating, if that's kind of the challenge in your life right now, we have a very special program for those clients. And you can find out more about that at richerlove.com. Laura Richer's Richer Love. That's right. Which is a 12-week dating program that
0: you know, includes one-on-one coaching as well as dating support through the Sasterhood. Yes. There's yeah. also
2: group support, one-on-one coaching. Um, and part of that program is helping you to identify what are your boundaries, maybe what is your boundary archetype, and how you work with your specific challenges in that area so you can attract the right person to you and have an amazing dating experience. Yes.
0: Because dating can be fun. It can be. It can be miserable. Yes. <laughs> but it can also be a lot of fun, and you can meet some fun people and just have a good time. Yeah. And Finally find the love that you truly want.
2: Yes. So it's all about understanding yourself and awareness. And, you know, so some of the things that we already touched on was the lover who doesn't know how to love themselves and they're looking for someone outside of them to do that never works out well. Yeah. The number maybe overuses substances or TV or or just anything to disconnect. And that's a harder person to connect with. Or if you are the number, it's hard to make connections when you're numbing out all the time. Yeah. You don't Um, really even know yourself. Yes. And you certainly don't know the people around you. Yes. Yeah. Um, the workaholic that, Ugh. you know, with we've got some really great industry here in Seattle, some yes. hard-working people. Um, and sometimes it makes it hard to have a balance, to have a personal life. So,
0: Yeah. Um, and we talked about the
2: caretaker. Yes, and the caretaker. Yes. I know
0: a lot of people who are caretakers.
2: You know, and a lot of times, I, I liked what Sari said, is that sometimes you do that for your job. And I have a client that's coming to mind right now that I worked with in the past, who was a nurse. And so she just knew how to take care of people. And she naturally was drawn towards people who needed to be taken care of because she felt needed in that role and, and she she could find in find out where she fit in with that person. But the problem is you feel depleted yes. because you're already at your job taking care of everybody. Maybe you're taking care of kids. And now in your romantic relationship, you're taking care of someone. You're uh-huh. exhausted. Yeah. somebody You deserve to have somebody take care
0: of you a little bit. Exactly. But I think it is hard for that person to be taken care of, too. So I, my yes. mom is, a, well, was a nurse. She's yeah. retired now. But she was a pediatric nurse, so she was taking care of kids, you know, all day at work. Mm-hmm. And then came home and she had two kids. And was a single mom. And was a single mom. And I just think when I did try to help, I think it was very difficult for her to accept help. And it's always been hard for her because she knows that role so much. Yeah. Exactly what Sari was saying, that that is... That's the role that they are good at. Right. And so they kind of stick to it.
2: And I think caretakers are also really self-sufficient people. So they don't need anyone to help them. Right. So they they don't even feel like they should ask for some nurturing or some care because they don't need it. But we all need it. Yes. Everybody needs to be taken care of. Yes. Yes.
0: So tell me about um, some of these other ones because we didn't get to talk to Sari about all of them, but... There is also the sacrificer, and I think of the sacrificer as kind of being like a caretaker,
2: but yes, a little different. But just a little bit different, and they might have caretaking qualities as well. But the, the typical story of the sacrificer would be um, the person who puts their, their spouse through medical school and mm-hmm. doesn't go to school themselves and maybe works a job that, that is totally unsatisfying to them and then sacrifices their own dreams to support this other person. Oh. And then we know what happens in that story a lot of the times.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> I was a babysitter for that that couple. And what happened? He left her. Yeah. As soon as he got really successful in his ophthalmology practice, he then cheated on her with his one of his assistants, and the marriage was over. And she had sacrificed everything for him to be able to go to school and, you know, do do his residency and everything, and it was really sad.
2: Yeah, but you know those were the choices that that person made. And when you're a sacrificer, you believe that it's your job to give up what you want for another person. Yes. Um, I think that, that often there's something underneath that. Maybe you're afraid to go after your your own dreams, yeah. or or there's another there's some other reasons why why you're doing that. But but that doesn't lead to having good boundaries when you're willing to totally self sacrifice. And also you see a lot of moms do that for yes. their kids. Yes. Um, and of course there's an the amount of sacrifice that goes into probably any relationship, but it shouldn't be all sacrificing. Right. Where you've totally lost your sense of self. Yes. So the sacrificer in dating I think would kind of show up as, oh, we can we can do whatever you want. We can. You want me to drive three hours to meet you? Yeah, I I, I could do that. I'll I don't do want that. you to have to to go too far. And yeah. Um, what
0: else? What do you? Well, I will say this. I think that I used to be that person, okay. and then the last kind of year of dating, I stopped doing it because I realized it wasn't helping me in any way. And I remember there was this gentleman. It was going to be our second date, mm-hmm. our, and he lived on the east side, and I am over in Seattle, and so uh, it. The first time, the first date, I was over on the east side. So the second date, he was coming over to my side of town, and he texted me and was complaining about the traffic and all this. And I said, "You know what? Just forget it." Yeah, because he was like Sari said, he was telling me everything I needed to know right then. Yeah, it was always going to be a problem. Yep. And so that was
2: that was the, he was
0: shocked. What? Yeah, it's. Just forget it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and he was showing you that he wasn't really willing to go out of his way yes. that much, and you had already gone over to meet him, so it yeah, wasn't. It was his. You turn. were trying to keep it balanced, and he didn't. He was showing you he wasn't interested in doing that exactly without a fight anyway, or a compl- listening to the complaints. Yes. Exactly. So, and I think that is very important, and I love that Sari said that. You know, I think we always kind of want to hope for the best, but sometimes in dating, that's not the best move. You really need to be listening and and seeing the clues. You know, people will show you who they are and if they're unwilling to drive from the east side for those of you that aren't in Seattle that's probably an hour drive yeah with traffic with traffic yeah um you know on your second date when you've already done that for them then forget it. yeah exactly say goodbye um so there's the sacrificer um and then who else do we want what is well I will
0: say this Greg uh I can't last name Barrett and he wrote that book He's, he's just, just not done it, that into you. Yes, he has said, "Why should you feel honored for getting scraps of his time?" Yes, and why would anyone that that's table scraps? Right? Why do you? Why do we continue to accept that? And why do we, Laura?
2: Well, I think if you're a sacrificer, you really believe that it's your job to accept less, that you're here to sacrifice for other people, and so you're more than willing to take scraps because you're the one who's supposed to sacrifice. Uh-huh. But ultimately, that doesn't lead to happy. Experiences in dating, most people will become very, or all people will become resentful that yes. that's what they've had to do.
0: So, how do you work with someone who would is a sacrificer? I mean, what what kind of work would you do with them in your practice?
2: I would want them to get clear, to help them get really clear about what it is that they're looking for, and then notice how often they're settling for less than what that is. Yeah, and so then they can kind of because I think sometimes a sacrificer is operating unconsciously they, you know, they've been trained to be a nice person or maybe in their family that's the role that they took on. And so they're just kind of doing that by default. They're not going out into the world saying, oh, I'm going to sacrifice all my dreams for someone else. (laughs) Um, But that's just kind of a pattern that they've gotten into. And so I think by getting some clarity about what is it really that you're looking for, is it okay for you to go out with a guy who calls and complains about the traffic before the date? Is that going to work for you? No. And sometimes they can say, gosh, you know what? That really doesn't work for me. I didn't even think about it. I thought I had to listen to that, but but it's not for me. So I think just helping them get clear about what they want. The second piece is getting a little deeper into why are you doing this sacrificing behavior? Yes. I think a lot of times people who get into that are afraid to focus on their own goals and dreams because of a fear of failure or a lot of different things. But yes. so it's very there's all kinds of different layers to it, but that is how we would start.
0: I can say that in working with you, um I've never I've never very been very good at having boundaries mm-hmm. and um I'm getting better. Mm -hmm. I'm getting closer to being a badass. Yes, you are. But um, we did some hypnotherapy and a lot of it came down to um, I have this underlying uh, guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a fear of disappointing somebody and then feeling guilty about disappointing them. And I have to say, just knowing that and understanding myself is so helpful. Just having the awareness so I can pay attention to it is it's really, really helpful. And I don't. I hadn't realized that. I always knew there was some guilt, but doing the hypnotherapy, it all went da- it all went back to that so Everything. that you could identify it. Yes. yes. And now it's like I can understand it. I can under- I can see it when I'm doing it and just try to work with it instead of not even knowing. I have right. so much more clarity, which is so helpful.
2: It's cuz you were kind of operating from a default where you just thought, "Well, oh, I just have to do what other people want me to do." Yes, which wasn't really true. No. And it doesn't make it easy. It's difficult to have boundaries, and it's difficult to disappoint people. Yep. But when you are more aware of why you're doing it and when you're doing it, sometimes people didn't even know that that's what they're doing, and right. so because, like I said, it's it's unconscious. Um, then you are more empowered to make changes. Yeah,
0: and when you've been doing it your whole life, like. I'm turning 45 tomorrow. So I think I started. Happy work. early birthday. Yes. Yes. It's, I, I'm one of, yes Benny, thank Good you. Job. Yeah. It's also one of my best friend's birthday, David Letterman. Yes. He, yeah. You guys are close. I yeah, know that. Very close. Yeah. Super tight. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I knew it. Yeah. So one of the. Uh, oh, wait. So what I was saying is I had been doing that. For like 40 years. Yeah. And so that it's really hard to make those kinds of changes, but even just being aware is so helpful. Yeah. So another one of these archetypes is the isolator. Yes. And what can you tell us about the isolator?
2: So dating is hard for the isolator because they are uncomfortable. Um, their boundary they have so many boundaries, they're not connecting with other people out of fear. Um, so that that is gonna be somebody who just kind of walls themselves in. They really do crave connection with other people, but they're either too afraid of it and or don't know how to go about doing it, and that's going to show up um, with people. Maybe, you know, they they're probably a lot of times numbers too. They're yeah they're doing something to 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 kind of disconnect. But well, I notice that with the isolator when they tell me that they don't want to do online dating, yeah, that they just want to meet somebody organically, <laughs> which. It's fine, and that's great, and that happens yes. all the time, but they're already putting up a wall, like one of the major avenues of how you could go about meeting yes. people. They're saying, nope, this isn't going to work for me. Yes. And it's not that you have to do online dating. There's all kinds of different ways to date, but I just find that, you know, they start to throw up a lot of roadblocks. Right away. You know, or, I, well, I don't want to use a matchmaker because, you know, I don't want to spend that much money. And you know, there's just a lot of reasons. They're keeping themselves safe yes. because they're, they're fearful, um, and the problem with that is they're blocking connection with other people, so they feel very lonely. Aww. yeah.
0: How would you work with somebody with that, with, think, who is an isolator? How would you kind of work with them?
2: I would, w- would want to work with them, and everyone would be different, of course, but there's probably some issues around self-love and self-acceptance. Maybe they don't believe they're worthy or good enough. Uh, maybe they have social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be some things like that that we would want to look at and see what it is that makes them fearful of connecting with other people. Yeah. Because, you know, and if you don't want to connect with other people, that's completely fine. But these are people who do want to connect, but they're afraid. Yeah. They're telling you they want a relationship. Yes. They want
0: this other person in their life. They want to share their life with someone, but they're not. They're too afraid to take the steps.
2: Yes. And maybe they were traumatized in a past relationship, and it's so it's scary to try it again. Um, Maybe they are really fearful of rejection. And that would probably be something we could work on too is kind of reframing rejection and not seeing it as this like scary, take you down and kill you kind of an experience. Well, yeah. I actually have a quote
0: here from Ooh. Matthew Hussey who says, Remember, the pain of rejection is nothing compared to the pain of regret. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. So
2: I feel like it's much more painful to live an isolated life when you desire connection with other people. Than risking rejection, but sometimes that you know we have to be in the my, right mindset for that, and those are with coaching, hypnotherapy, Reiki. We got all kinds of things we can do to help you get into that mindset yeah. and not be afraid of re- rejection. And you know, rejection sucks. It doesn't feel good. Nobody right. likes to be rejected. But if you are practicing self love and self acceptance, and you know that you have got you, it's not really that big of a deal.
0: That is very true, yeah. and we have talked about that on some of our other episodes. That. Once you are secure with yourself, mm-hmm. then you you kind of, you have you. Yeah. You have your own back. Yeah. And you, you're not fragile. You can bounce back from a bad date, from a relationship that fails. You And it, you. it won't
2: be fun if you're really into somebody and they tell you that they're not interested. It doesn't feel good. You're not going to like it, but it's not going to kill you. And you don't want to just to avoid that experience, not have the experience of connecting with another person. Right. Yeah.
0: What is that saying? It's better to have loved and lost. Than never loved at all. That's <laughs> I love it. Um, I do. I will say in talking about these kind of archetypes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I you know, all of us can probably identify a little bit with some. Some of them. Some yeah. of them. But a lot of it is coming back to the self-love and not knowing how to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And. We had asked Sarah her opinion on it, but I'm interested to know what your opinion is like when someone says i don't, I don't know how to love myself what what kind of exercises do you have them go through, or how do you help somebody?
2: With well, I, I think when somebody is saying I don't even know what that means I don't even know how to love myself um, they they are discon- there's some kind of discontent within them and they don't know how to resolve that themselves, and so they're thinking that something outside of them, another person's approval or whatever it is that they're looking for, getting married, having kids, is going to resolve that. And it, and it never does. As Sari said, right. that's something that you have to resolve within yourself. So that's what we would start to look at is what is the discontent that you experience? Maybe you don't believe that you're lovable. Maybe you reject a, the way that you look or your life experience. Or, so I think just getting to a place with someone where they really can accept themselves for who they are and, and appreciate and love who that is. Yes. And sometimes that might even require that they change a couple things about themselves, too. Right. Not, not fundamentally, but, you know, maybe they are locked in some really negative eating habits or substance abuse habits or uh, toxic relationships that are making them feel really bad about themselves. And yeah. so kind of shifting out of some of that stuff that's making them feel bad, they will start feeling better about themselves and it'll start to make sense to them why they might want to love themselves. Yes. Very nice. I
0: I can imagine that when someone goes from kind of Mm self-loathing and gets into self-loving, that it must be like somebody turned the lights on or the sun finally came out or something. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think everybody's had the experience of having low points in their life where things aren't going the way that you want. Maybe you're really mad at yourself because of how things are, but that's always resolved from within. It doesn't you know, we want to grasp it, like, well, if I just got a better job or if I just had a, a relationship or if I just could lose 20 pounds. And, and those things actually happen after you resolve whatever it is that's going on inside of you. Yes, very true.
0: So one of the, I guess it's the last one of these archetypes is the protector. Mm-hmm. So tell us about this person.
2: So the protector I think of as someone who is very codependent. They might be kind of delusional about who they're dating. They might see all of their potential and not actually see who they are. Um, they are going to be very protective of, of someone and put effort into them, even though they there are a lot of issues that don't work for them. So um, maybe somebody who you know, has been with someone who's been unemployed for years and isn't contributing and isn't and is putting all the burden on them, but they make excuses for why, why that's okay when it really isn't okay with them, but they, they insist that it is or has substance abuse issues that other people are saying, Hey, there's a problem here. And the protector's going to go, no, everything's fine. He's, you know, he's in a better mood when he has his martini at night or, you know, so they're, they're overlooking things and they're, they're very codependent. They're, they're trying to protect the flaws of the person that they're there with.
0: Is that caring too much? What is it because they care so much about what other people think or they care so little about what they think? What's going on there?
2: I think that they just have very, very much disconnected from their own inner voice and they have transferred all of their focus onto taking care of or protecting this other person. So it's kind of like a caretaker a little bit too. I think it's a little bit different, but... Um, they just, they're projecting onto somebody. So I guess a caretaker, I think, might know that there's problems, but take care of them anyway. Mm-hmm. The protector is projecting a potential onto somebody and kind of delusional, missing everything that's actually happening.
0: Oh, yeah. are they really missing it, they're, or they're just turning a blind eye?
2: I think that they are maybe downplaying it, playing it or turning a blind eye, um, especially when we look at, like, issues with substance abuse. I think... Yeah. There's, I've seen countless cases of spouses who have said, I didn't, I didn't have any idea that it was that bad. Okay. Even though it's in your face every day, it, you don't want to see it because you don't want that to be the truth. So.
0: Because then everything's
2: going to change. Then everything's going to change. And you may not want that. And yeah. it might be just hanging on by a thread, but, but you want to keep it the same. So in dating, like if we just were to talk about, uh, those are, I think that kind of refers more to a, more established relationships, but in dating, I think it's looking at potential and not looking at what's actually happening. Right. Not... Yeah. Yeah. If I was a protector and I talked to my friend and I'd be like, yeah, he stood me up a couple times, but he's really busy at work and, you know, his mom is sick and I'd be making excuses for that person.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So how does... We keep going back to the caretaker because Mm -hmm. you kind of you see a lot of caretakers. We both know a lot of
2: caretakers. We've both been caretakers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's a caretaker.
0: And I got to tell you, having a caretaker as a mom
2: is yeah. really
0: fantastic. I have
2: a mom who's a caretaker too, yeah. and it is. It's
0: really, really fantastic. I, you know, because you just feel so loved and taken care of. Yes. It's really fantastic.
2: How? But so, maybe not for them. No. Yeah.
0: I can. yeah, exactly. So I do wonder how does that show up in dating? What is the caretaker doing in dating?
2: I think the caretaker is looking for people to take care of because that's, you know, the role that they know how to to play. So they might be, you know, actually attracted to people who are somewhat dysfunctional that need somebody to take take care care of them. Yeah. But the problem is, like Sari said, that type of a personality and again, people who work in caretaking type businesses, uh, nurses and. Any yeah. kind of healthcare worker, yes. massage therapist, whatever it is, you're yeah. you're putting this energy towards taking a care of a hypnotherapist. <laughs> a hypnotherapist, you're taking care of other people. It's really you know you need some balance in your life. So you, what you actually need is somebody who's more nurturing, who doesn't need a lot of caretaking, and can offer you some of that. And of course, in a relationship, like again, like Sarah said, we're all going to have our turn where we need somebody to take care of us. Yes, where we get sick or injured or emotionally down or whatever it is but you don't want somebody who is going to need that from you all the time you'll be completely depleted yeah
0: so in these looking at you know these the lover the number the protector the isolator the workaholic the sacrificer and the caretaker are we just if if I'm one of these am I just destined to be this do I is there a chance to change
2: no and I think that we are all we all have some of One of a few of these, probably. And so it's just about being aware of what our patterns are so that we can change them. So I have always very much been a caretaker. I work in the healing arts. I was in my past in relationship with people who needed caretaking or didn't or, or asked for it. Um, and I just was just took, or just took it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was extremely depleted in those relationships. And when I really learned that about myself and I learned about what I needed, I realized that that is not a good fit for me. And right. so in my relationship now, I'm actually with somebody who helps, you know, is very nurturing and takes care of me yes. and very self-sufficient and doesn't need me to do a lot of things for him. I mean, yeah. I will and I and I want to sometimes, but he doesn't need that from me. Yes. And isn't that refreshing? Yeah, oh, God, it's so much better than that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is. You guys are a really fantastic team and there is such a nice balance. And I think that's something that I've I never really had in my past relationships. Mm-hmm. I feel that I have it now where there's a balance where mm-hmm. it, is an, it is an even give and take. Right, and sometimes I'm maybe more stressed out, and he has to take care a little more, or vice versa, and it's really refreshing.
2: Yeah, so I think you know, I both of us kind of found ourselves with people who are also caretakers. I yes. think two caretakers do good together. It's fantastic. Yeah. Two numbers do not do good together. No, <laughs>
0: N O spells N A. All right, so Laura, we have about a minute left, and I just would love for you to remind everybody how can people find you.
2: You can find me at seattlehealinghypnosis.com. You can also find us, if you are a lady looking for love, at richerlove.com. Um, you can just give us a call to set up a complimentary consultation at 206-765-8265. And we are all over social media at Facebook on The Verge Radio, Instagram on The Verge Radio, Twitter on The Verge 18, YouTube. We're everywhere. I mean, you can find us everywhere. Yeah. And you can always
0: <laughs> listen uh, watch and listen to archives of the show because we um, video all of it. So you can do all of that at onthevergeradio.com. So, and always reach out. We'd love to hear your comments and your questions for the show. Yes. But this has been a fantastic episode. Thank you again, Sarah Gilman, for joining us. And we look forward to talking next month on The Verge Radio here on Transformation Talk Radio. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Verge Radio, using your breakdown for a breakthrough with Coach Laura Richer. We all have that moment in life when we are on the verge of big change. This time of transition is a wild and unknown place. How will you show up? Embrace the positive, drop the negative, and you can experience total transformation. Schedule a breakthrough session with Laura at SeattleHealingHypnosis.com. Laura will help you discover the path to creating rapid and positive changes. Tune in every month for On The Verge Radio with Laura Richer.